we have deemed 2020 as the year of radical generosity here at Open Door. And I'm going to tell you all, I am so excited about this word today. You know, um, I've said this before and I mean it, you know, I, I don't recycle messages because I always want to hear what God wants to say um, to his people. And, and we're a unique body of people gathered here today. Believe it or not, there are some people here who weren't here last week and there were people uh, who aren't here today who were here last week. And so you are here on purpose. You need to know that. You are here on purpose. There's something God wants to say to you today. Um, Pastor Tim has been doing a wonderful job of teaching us some very important financial principles um, with the idea that this theme of radical generosity cannot be lived out if we are in debt. Amen? Because being generous requires giving more than is expected, right? But you can't give more than is expected if you're just getting by. So he's been teaching us a lot of financial principles about what some of these debt traps are, how to create a budget, what it means to live beneath your means so that we can have the type of resources available to be a blessing to other people. And today, uh, I want to just continue to build on the foundation that he has laid. I'm going to pivot just a little bit because I believe that the principle God wants us to understand today about generosity is really the foundational principle upon which every other financial principle has. Things, all right. This is the principle upon which generosity is defined, and it's the principle of love. The principle of love. So, um, for many of you who have children, you'll understand this. Uh, so, after the new year, children went back to school the Tuesday after the new year. Okay. Now, I don't know why they go back on that Tuesday because, see, I have to work on that Monday, but we're not. We're not going to even get into that. So, um, you know, I have a very light workload over the holidays because most of my colleagues, they take two, three weeks off. And I don't tend to have a lot of meetings at the end of the year. But when I hit that very first full week into the new year, it's always packed. Like there's always meetings from morning until night, Monday through Friday. And so the Sunday before the Tuesday they were going back to school, you know, I looked at my calendar for Monday and I was like, all right, Lord, let me see what I have going on. And sure enough, it was packed. Like starting at 8 a.m. all the way until about 6 p.m. It was packed. I had meetings with colleagues in London and New York and California because everybody wants to get a jump start on their new year. So we all meet that very first week. Right. And so um, that that Sunday I looked at my calendar and I was like, OK, cool. This is what I have planned uh, for the day. And so I went to sleep that night. I knew my day was going to be packed on Monday. I knew my sons were going to be at home, but I at least felt confident that I knew what was going to happen that day. Now, how many of you, you like to know what's going to happen in your day so that you feel confident going into it? Okay, good. So I go running on Monday mornings. That's how I start my Mondays. I go for a five mile run just right around our area. That's how I wake up. I don't drink coffee. I either work out or I run. That's what I do. Don't laugh. She was like, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> She said, I'm just going to stop by Starbucks and call that my run. Um, but I don't, <laughs> I 
I don't drink coffee, so that's what I do. So I got up that Monday morning. It was still dark outside. And I said, okay, I'm going to put on my running clothes. I'm going to go for a run. And then when I come back, I'm going to start my day. So I put on my running clothes. It was still kind of dark outside. I walked out of my bedroom. And as I walked out of my bedroom, my son, Timothy, met me at the bottom of the stairs. Now, the way that our house is, this is our bedroom. We walk out. The stairs are right here, okay? So I walk out of my bedroom. I'm going for my run. I've got tunnel vision. I'm going for my run. TJ meets me at the bottom of the stairs. He says, Mommy, I don't feel good. I can't swallow. Now, if you are an honest parent (laughs) and you have your day planned out, you know what you're about to do, where you're about to go, and your child says that to you, you say, oh, God, just go back to bed. But that night before, he had some concerning symptoms because he was congested. Uh, When I touched his forehead, his temperature was a little elevated. Um, He even had some swollen lymph nodes. And I noticed that he was holding his neck in a very awkward position. So when he said that, I took it seriously because I knew he didn't feel well the night before. So I turned back around and I went to our bedroom. My husband was still laying in the bed under the warmth of the covers. He was enjoying his sleep while I was up about to go running in the dark and the cold. I just had to throw that in there for free. Um, But he was still in the bed, resting. And I said to him, I said, honey, I said, listen, uh, TJ said he doesn't feel good. Can you please call the doctor's office and make an appointment to take him in? And so he said, sure. So I go for my run. I leave. I come back 45 minutes later. I walk in our bedroom. And my husband was sitting on the chair. He was putting on his shoes. And I said, oh, did you make the appointment for TJ to go to the doctor? He said to me, he said, oh, he said, well, you know, I'm going to call them. But, you know, I have some things I have to do this morning. (laughs) I said, have you seen TJ? He looks horrible. What do you mean you have things you have to do this morning? And so I said, look, I have meetings all day that I cannot rearrange with people literally all around the world. I cannot change these meetings. Can you please take him in? He said, look, I got stuff I got to do. Okay, what do you have to do? (laughs) Like, I need you to explain to me What is so important? So he says to me, he says, well, I have to go visit some members. All right. Now, listen, I love y'all. Okay. (laughs) I just need to preface this. I love y'all. I really do. There is like nothing I wouldn't do for you. But when my child is sick, we're going to have to rearrange our schedules because that's precedent. My child is precedent. And frankly, I would expect the same of you. If, if we have an appointment and your child is sick, please do not let your child be sick to come meet with me. No, take care of your child. But Pastor Tim, who I love, he truly has the heart of a pastor. He said, well, but you know, there's some people in the hospital that I need to go see. And I said, okay, well, I tell you what I'll do. I'll go ahead and take care of it then in a very loving way. That's what I said, in a very loving way. You know how we do. So I'll take care of it. So I called the doctor's office. I make the appointment. I walked in my office. I went ahead and reached out to all my colleagues. And I said, I'm going to have to reschedule this meeting because my child is sick. Y'all, I was mad. I'm not even going to lie. I was mad. I was first mad at my husband for not thinking TJ being sick was more important than going visiting people. I was first mad at that, okay? But secondly, I was mad at the whole situation. 
I mean, I had my day planned out. I had stuff I was going to do. I had all these important meetings that had been scheduled for weeks that I was going to have to somehow magically rearrange with other calendars that were already full. I was so angry. Now, I was the kind of mad, you know, the kind of mad that you just feel all over your body. Like I felt it in my toes. Like that's just how, that is how mad I was because I had my plan together and now this whole situation was just throwing it off. And then in the middle of my anger, the still small voice of God said, why are you angry when TJ did not ask to be sick? Why are you angry when TJ cannot drive himself to the doctor's office, and even if he could, he couldn't pay for the visit. Why are you angry when you see that TJ needs help? Y'all, I felt so convicted in that moment. I felt convicted because of my attitude. I felt convicted because of my pride. I had to go and ask my husband to forgive me. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. Because you see, in that moment, God was showing me, Nona, why are you angry because you have eyes to see something your child needs? But the reason why I was angry is because I was focused on myself. I was focused on my calendar, my priorities, my plan, what I wanted to do. And this situation was causing a conflict with what I planned to do. That's why I was angry and you know the Lord is so funny how he gets on us because he was like you're feeling a sense of urgency about something your child needs and yet you're expecting your husband to clear his calendar in order to meet the need no sir no sir no sir no sir <laughs> but but here's the thing here's the thing God showed me, listen, TJ didn't just need help. TJ needed me. And see, some of us, we, we, we walk around and we see need. We see people hurting. We see injustice. We see lack. We see all of these things. And what we do is instead of meeting the need, we complain about it to somebody else. And we say, hey, I saw some people over there that need help. Why don't you go help them? And God is saying, no, no, no. I gave you eyes to see what needs to happen because I want to use you to meet that need. But what gets in the way of that is me. My plans, my schedule, my priorities, what I want to do. And I believe that this morning, as God is calling us to become a church that is radically generous, God is also calling us to get out of our own way. Because you cannot have both love and self. You cannot think of your own priorities while prioritizing somebody else. So you see, we wait on others to do that which we see the need of. And that's not God's way. That's not God's way. This morning, I'm going to teach from you for, for, from just one verse. One verse. We're not going to even do a passage. It's just one verse of scripture that you all should know. You can put it up on the screen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, I was angry when I had to clear my schedule because that schedule represented my priorities. It represented what I wanted to do. And for those of you who take notes, I just want to offer you a few thoughts from the subject. Love gives. Love gives. Two things I want you to take from this message today. The first is simply this. Increasing in love requires decreasing in self. It requires it. Right now, this room feels very calm and very serene. It seems like all that's happening is I'm speaking and you're listening. But the truth is, there is a war taking place right now. A war is taking place between the spirit and the flesh right now in this room. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, the flesh only cares about me. What I want to do, what my priorities are, that's all the flesh cares about. But the spirit is concerned about what matters to God. What does God care about? What does God want to accomplish through me? And they are diametrically opposed goals. You cannot be concerned about what you want and also concerned about what God wants. And I'm going to prove that to you because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 that the works of the flesh or the self are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when we allow our flesh to rule us, we will always do what makes us feel good. And let me break down this scripture for you with just a few very specific examples. Do you know why adultery happens? Because I'm unhappy in my marriage and I decide I'm going to step out of my marriage in order to attend to my needs. It's about me. Fornication even happens because I know what the Bible says, but I like you and I may even like the act of sex. And so even though I know what the Bible says, I'm going to do what I want to do because that makes me feel good. Jealousy happens because I don't like the way that your success makes me feel about myself. And so therefore, I don't like you. Not because you've done anything to me, but because of how you make me feel about myself. Selfish ambition is about myself. I want the position. I want the title. I want to be at a certain place on the org chart because of what I believe that will say to others about me. It will make me feel good about myself. But this is why the flesh and the spirit are contrary because you see the flesh is going to constantly choose me. How can, how can I get ahead? How can I use you to get what I want? Whereas the spirit is going to only be thinking about how can I honor God in this situation? And this is why increasing in love requires decreasing in self because you cannot have what I want when someone else is in need. There's going to be a choice and you're going to have to either choose yourself or the other person. Love always esteems others above self. Self. 
Love will keep you from that affair, not because you're unhappy or not because your marriage is happy, but because you don't want to hurt your spouse. Love will keep you from fornication, not even because you don't like the other person, but because you want to please God. Love will keep you from jealousy. And you know how it does that? Because love celebrates when somebody else succeeds. Love wants everybody to win. Love doesn't see a deficit. Love only sees opportunity. So when you win, I don't lose. When you win, you win. Congratulations. When your child has a program at school and they come to you and they say, hey, mommy or daddy, I really want you to come to this program. And you say to them, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm not really feeling like it, so I'm not going to go. What you're doing is you're choosing yourself. You know, when you, when you come to church and you don't pay your tithe, which we know because Pastor Tim has already taught on this, that's not something that we just give because we want to give it. It's something that God requires. When we decide we're not going to give our tithe, what we're saying is, God, I choose that iPhone I want to buy over you. That's self. We're choosing ourself. Galatians 5 and 14 says this, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who wants to be cheated on? Who wants to be lied on? Who wants to work hard and then have nobody come support you? Who wants to be the subject of jealousy to have people spread evil reports about them just because they don't like them? Who wants that? Nobody. Nobody wants that, and yet the self will do that to another person because the self only thinks about me. Let me tell you how amazing God is. God loved us so much that he diminished his majesty down to the size of humanity. Our God wrapped himself in flesh. A God who knew no pain, knew no, no hurt, knew, knew none of that. He wrapped himself in flesh to enter a fallen and a desperately broken world so that he could hang on a cross and die in agony. And what did he have to gain? He already had all power. He had all authority. He already had all knowledge. What did he have to gain by doing that? Nothing except one thing, the hope that one day, someday, we might see the need of him and choose him so that we would receive the gift of eternal life. God gave to us something that it, there is no price we can put on it. He gave without the expectation of return. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even require that we choose him. He just gives us the opportunity to join him in paradise. It's incredible when you think about God's love. It is truly indescribably unconditional. Many of us, we will love you as long as you perform something for us. But the moment that you don't perform, we're done. It's over. We're out. Don't call me no more. You're blocked on Facebook. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I am so glad that God does not love us the way that we love. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, Jesus. I am so glad to know that my God knew 
I would fail him. And he still said, Nona, you're, you're necessary. You're necessary. That's the type of God that we serve. If God was like us, there is no way that he could love us, love people who are so ungrateful. And the only thing that he asks us is to serve him. That's it. Serve him with your life. And the amazing thing about it is serving God comes with a promise of blessing. So it's a win, 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 win. There is no losing in God. That's how amazing God's love is. God so loved the world that he gave because love gives. Second point, love gives out of sacrifice. Self gives out of surplus. You see, some of us are actually happy to give as long as it doesn't cost us anything. Oh, I'll give you my time as long as it's on a free day and I don't have anything planned for myself. See, I'm not going to rearrange my schedule for you. That's asking a little bit too much. We're happy to even give our, our, our treasure. We'll give our money as long as I didn't have plans for it. See, if I plan to buy something for myself with that, then uh, I, I, I can't give you anything. No, no, no. I already have plans for that money. So, no, I'm not going to rearrange my budget for you. That's asking way too much. And, and, and we'll even give our talent. We're happy to serve as long as it doesn't require too much. Oh, and as long as you're paying me too. You have to pay me for what I do. See, see you know, I, I don't just give you my talent for free. You know, that's, that's way too much there. We're happy to give as long as it doesn't cost us anything. But John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I need you to catch that for a minute. You see, God didn't have a whole bunch of sons just walking around heaven and then just say, hey, you over there, uh, I have an assignment for you. God didn't just hold a lottery and say, hey, I need one of you all to go do something for me. God didn't even create a son out of the dust of the ground and say, hey, I need you to go do this thing. No, God looked to his right hand at the son who had been sitting there since before time began the son that he knew the son that was created and he said to him I have something that I need you to do his one and only son he gave for us my husband and I before TJ was born we suffered a miscarriage it was one of the most devastating experiences of our life. I'll never forget, many doctors had told us that we wouldn't be able to have children. They said that I, I was infertile, and they said all these things, and God blessed us miraculously. But when I got pregnant, I mean, just the idea of being pregnant was just a wonderful gift. And I loved those babies from the moment I saw their heartbeat on the ultrasound. It was twins. There was two heartbeats. I loved them immediately. And I immediately envisioned all that I would do with them and all that they would be. And I started thinking about names and how I was going to decorate their room and all of that. I immediately loved babies that I had never, ever met. So how much more could the father love the son? To send him to earth, to die for us, to do the thing that he knew nobody else could do. 
See, that's why I say love gives out a sacrifice. Self gives out a surplus. Oh, yeah. See, see, see this is what I, I love about even in the story of Isaac. Even in the story of Isaac and Abraham. So when God spoke to Abraham about sacrificing Isaac, see, Isaac was not Abraham's only son. He also had Ishmael. But what God said to him is, I need you to sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love to me. See, he had Ishmael, but Isaac was the son that he loved. If God had said, I need you to sacrifice your son and left it at that, Abraham would have went to Ishmael and said, hey, listen, we need to take a walk. Just come with me and we're going to talk about a couple things. If he had left it up to Abraham to decide, because let's be honest, that's how we are. I'll give you the scraps. Oh, yeah, I can come and do a little something. I'll give you, yo, I'll peel off a couple dollars. Here you go. But, oh, wait, wait, you, wanna go me, you want, want me to go into what I saved for myself? Oh, yeah, that's a little bit too high of a price. But don't you know that the son was God's precious, precious only son that he gave for us. It's intentionally giving the thing that I saved for myself that defines love. The thing that I had been hoping for and dreaming for and the thing that I just couldn't wait to experience and enjoy, I'm going to give you that thing. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you. It hurts me to give this, but I give it to you because I love you. I don't just like you. Because if I like you, I'll give you what's left over, what's easy, what's convenient. But when I love you, I will find a way when I love you. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It so beautifully displays the fact that love is a sacrifice. Jesus said in Mark 12, 41, it says that Jesus sat opposite the treasury. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had her whole livelihood. How many of us can actually say that we are giving all that we can, all that we have. How many of us can actually say that when we see a need, we don't just tell somebody else about it. We find a way to meet it ourselves, even if that means that we have to sacrifice the thing that we were hoping for ourselves. It's like, wait, wait, wait. No, I, I, I'll try to find a way to meet that need. And the only way I can do that is I'm not going to be able to get the thing that I had thought I was going to get now, but I see this need right now, so I'm going to find a way to meet it. That is love. Why am I even teaching you this? Because, you know, we have this theme about radical generosity, but Pastor Tim and I, we've also wanted to create a challenge for you this month. You know, the month of February is Valentine's Day, and that's considered Love Day, and, you know, that's typically a time when we all go out and we enjoy ourselves, right? But we're going to call this Love Month, because this month we want to challenge you to extend the love of God in radical ways to people. We want you to intentionally find a way to give to people who are in need. And I don't just mean, you know, give to your children. You know, we do that 
anyway. I'm talking about being aware of the needs around you. Because honestly, those of us who say that we are Christians and say that we love God, the Bible says that they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Not by how much you know, but not by how many times you're in church, but by your love and love gives. So the month of February, we're going to focus on love. And we're going to focus on making the love of God tangible to people because there are people that we walk by, work with, even sleep next to every day who are in need. And because we are so busy, we miss it. You know, the greatest threat to love is busyness. You know, I've been in situations where there are people who are crying for help. And instead of being moved by their cries, we become annoyed at the inconvenience. Instead of having a heart that is soft to their needs, we say, oh God, here we go again. So this month, here at this church, we want to focus on what does it mean to extend the love of God in tangible ways. So there's usually 28 days in February. And we're on day two. And it's so funny how God works because uh, I thought that there was only 28 days and we were only going to have 27 days to do this. But the Lord is a provider because we've got 29 days in this month. So we still have 28 days left. So look at God. Look how God does things. So what we're going to ask you to do this month, and I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I try not to be too long-winded. I'm actually wrapping up. What we're going to do this month is we want to equip you with the tools to be intentional about extending the love of God to people. What you see displayed on this screen is something we're actually going to give you as you leave today. These are random act of love cards. I'm going to show them to you. They're just little cards, little purple cards that we're going to give to each of you. And it says just a little something to let you know God loves you. And on the back it says, and so do we. Every time you extend an act of love to someone, you just give them this card. That's it. Just as a reminder that I see you and God sees you because love is seeing a person. You can't say that you love somebody when you neglect seeing their need. So you're going to give them this card to let them know I see you and God sees you and I want you to know that you are loved. What I'm going to challenge you to do is this month I want you to give your time, talent, and your treasure freely to the people that you have the privilege of doing life with. This could be your family, it could be your friends, it could be your coworkers, it could be your classmates, this could be your neighbors, but I especially want you to focus on strangers. See, sometimes we're very quick to give to people we know. We'll we'll sacrificially give to somebody that we know, but then there are people all around us who we don't know who are suffering. And because they are not being seen, they are missing the love of God. So we're going to give everybody seven of these cards today. And we're going to give you seven next week because what we're going to challenge you to do is we want you to extend the love of God at least once a day, every single day this month. And we want you to be intentional about it. And so we're also going to give you this little love month tracker. Oh, we're going to equip y'all because see what I believe is if you don't give people the tools, it won't happen. We're serious about this. On this tracker, it has every single day starting today through the rest of the month. What I want you to do every week is I want you to bless one family member, one friend, one neighbor, one coworker or classmate, and then 
three strangers. That's going to be seven days. Seven days. And you're going to track every single day who it was and what you did. Because when we get to the end of the month, the people who have a full tracker will get a special blessing. Ooh, incentives. Yes. <laughs> because we're serious about this. We want you to do this. Because the thing about love is love is not a noun. It's not an adjective. Love is a verb. It's an action word. So we can only exhibit and display love by doing it. This month is love month here at Open Door. The entire month of February. And I believe that those of you who, who accept this challenge, you are going to find that there is so much blessing in giving. My husband and I, we have made it a priority to give in radical ways. And when I tell you that we cannot beat God in giving, we have gotten to the point that we have had to refuse blessings. Like we literally have gotten to the point where we've had to say, listen, that's, you keep it. We want to sow this into you. Just yesterday, I was preaching at a church in, in uh, Baltimore and it was such a blessing. And, you know, when we had went there, uh, I, I didn't ask for an honorarium. I, I didn't. I just planned to go and be a blessing. And after it was over, the pastor came and was handing me an envelope. And I said, no, 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 no. We're not here for that. We're here just to sow into you. And do you know he was shocked? Like speechless. Like, what? Are, are you serious? No, 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 no. You can't be serious. Here, please, please. No, no, really keep it, sow it into your own church. Because what we know is you cannot beat God in giving. You can't. You can't. And I don't even know what was in that envelope, but whatever it was, I know God will give to us 10 times more. I know he will. So we want you to begin to exercise your love muscles. Because the only way love can grow stronger within you is when you actually practice it. And the good thing is you're going to have your first opportunity to give love today. Because remember, increasing in love requires decreasing in self. And you have to also understand that for us to truly give, love is a sacrifice. Whereas the self thinks, oh, well, I'll give when I have enough. I have more than enough. Today, I'm so excited to share with you, and I've shared this with a few people before, I'm an ambassador with an organization called Compassion International. And the thing about my story is all of the abuse that I experienced, all the dysfunction that I experienced, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So I didn't know about Jesus, God, Bible, church, none of that. And after my second suicide attempt, when I was in the sixth grade, a classmate invited me to church. And the very first sermon I ever heard, that preacher said, God is a father to the fatherless. And he didn't know that I had lost my father. And there were so many nights I would cry myself to sleep wishing that I had my father. So when I heard him say that, I immediately thought, well, who is this God then? And at 11 years old, I began to study the Bible for myself. And that's how I came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when I came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it radically changed my trajectory. Before then, I was labeled a problem child. I ended up graduating at the top of my class, got a full scholarship to the University of Florida. And here I am today, literally because Jesus changed my life. The abuse didn't end right then. But the power of God redeemed my story at that moment. And this is why... 
This is why I'm a Compassion International ambassador because Compassion International is doing for children all over the world what my classmate did for me. And we're gonna show you just a very brief video about Compassion because today I want you just to consider as this is part of your random act of love month, I want you to consider sponsoring a child. It's $38 a month. And you know what it includes? It includes food, because these are impoverished nations. It includes food for the children, medical care. It includes education. And they also get spiritual nourishment. These children come into the knowledge of Jesus. If we have that video ready, I just want to show it to you so you know what they do. Oh, we need sound. You can pop that. I am Jennifer Gitiri, and I'm from Kenya. Growing up with a single parent in the slum was very, very difficult for me. Really living hand to mouth because if my mom went to look for employment or even wash other people's clothes, if she came in the evening with a dollar, that's what we would use to buy a meal and eat at that particular time. If we wake up tomorrow, there's nothing to eat, then we'd take a glass of water and run to school. But Compassion, I opened a project at a church near our home. And for the first time as a young girl, I saw hope. Compassion provided for everything. They gave me books. When I was sick, Compassion would pay for my medical care. And I'm also thankful to my sponsor who was very, very encouraging. You know, just writing letters of encouragement, telling me that you can make it, you can do it. Your past should not determine your future. I believe my sponsors were God sent. When we wrote to Jennifer, it was important to let her know that we really cared about her. I just said what a mother would say, you know, we're so proud of you. We're so proud that your grade card is good and that you've done such a good job. I remember vividly our neighbor's child was raped. The child was 10 years and these were the kind of things that I saw growing up that really made me decide to be a lawyer, someone who could speak for the rights of those who cannot speak for themselves. The beginning of this year, I joined the Kenya School of Law so that now I can be admitted into the bar and become an advocate in the High Court of Kenya. This summer, I went to the United States of America to, to be an advocate. I shared passionately about my story and how my sponsors had made a difference in my life and they were brought on stage. life-changing just to, to see those two people who'd sacrificed their resources, who used to pray for me, who used to encourage me. So for, for me to see these two people was, was just amazing. Compassion gave us the opportunity to reach halfway around the world to rescue one little girl from whatever the future might have had in store for her. It makes me cry all the time when I think of how far God has brought me, you know, from the ditches of poverty to this. Today I am here as proof that indeed compassion releases children from poverty in Jesus' name. My children will never live in poverty. My children will know the word of God. And when I look at 
at the packets at the compassion booth, my heart is broken because 17 years ago, my face was in that packet. Amen. So today, as you leave, you're going to get some random act of love cards as you leave, but Sister Jackie is going to have a table. We only have 30 packets, only 30. Every single child in these packets is real. Every packet represents a child. There are no duplicates. So if you feel moved in your heart and you're willing to do this, to change a child's life, this will be your first random act of love that will change the trajectory of their life. We do. We sponsor a child. Her name is Jacqueline. Her birthday is right around Timothy's birthday. And it has been a life-changing experience. So I just want you to consider that today. Amen? Just consider it today. Sure. All right. Amen. <laughs> and you'll just complete the form and take it to Jackie. We really just want to be a church that is known for being radically generous. So please consider it. I'm finished, y'all. But as we get ready to close in prayer, I'm going to pray today that generosity would overflow in our hearts. That it would overflow in our hearts because God loved the world so much that he gave. And he calls us all to follow that example. Find ways to be a blessing to people. And then give them those cards because you want them to know that you're doing it in honor of what God did for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come together in your name. And even more, God, thank you for the gift that you have given to all of us in Jesus. Father, we don't deserve what you did, but you did it because you loved us. And so, God, I pray right now that a spirit of generosity would just overflow in our hearts in gratitude for what you did for us, Lord. Let us consider the needs of our brothers and our sisters, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, God, the people in our own household, how we can be a blessing to them, Father. Let us extend true, sincere love to people. God, we're going to accept the challenge of extending random acts of love this month, Father, because we just want people to know that you are real and we want to honor you with our life. So I'm trusting and believing, God, that by the end of February, Father, there are going to be so many hundreds and even thousands of people in this city who are going to know that you are real because we are going to prove it through our love. Father, we thank you, God, for visiting us today. And I never want to take for granted that there may be someone here that does not know Jesus as Lord of your life. If you say that right now, if you were to die, you don't know where you would end up if you don't know for sure that heaven will be your home. I want to just take a moment to invite you to make that decision today. It's the best decision that you will ever make because you see the Bible says that whom the son has set free is free indeed. And what that means is no matter what level of sin or guilt or shame or mistakes you may have made in the past, the moment that you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life, you become a new creature. And that means that old things are passed away and behold, you will now be new. So today, if that is you and you say, you know what? I don't know 
I'm just not really sure. All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed because this isn't about looking around at our neighbors and seeing who is saved and who isn't saved. It's not about that. This is about you getting right with God. If you don't know the answer to that question and you want to make sure today that you leave here with assurance, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to make you come down the aisle or do any of that because this is about you getting right with God. If that is you, just slip up your hand in the presence of God. Let him know, Lord, I'm choosing you this day.